Hey, and welcome back to the Daily Blend Show. Today is, well, this week is the 26th, but today is the 28th. What is it? No, today is the 29th. Um, if you're new around here, this is the weekly rundown segment where we highlight stories we thought were interesting or notable across business and technology. In episode number 37 of the show, we showcase stories on the role of a chief hybrid officer, getting back to the office, YouTube tipping, Spotify, Shopify, and Google grow like crazy and what that means, Twitter pilots a more accessible e-commerce solution, and Barstool Sports is in the news again, this time for getting their own bowl game. As always, you can get this episode and all other previous episodes on such great platforms as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. The list goes on. Um, thanks to the folks over at Anchor, which is the Amazon podcast platform. This podcast is now on a host of other platforms. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes. Um, and with that said... Let's jump into the show. So instead of jumping into the stories, like I said last time, I always sort of mention the song in the intro. And for whatever reason, with everyone, you know, beating earnings that we're going to talk about, I thought it was only appropriate to play like a 50 cent song. And so, I don't know, in the club always made me think about getting money. Um, I don't know why that they don't actually talk about money at all in the song, but uh, yeah. I always loved that song as someone who lived in Queens when it was uh, coming out and 50 Cent was getting big. Uh, it always gets me fired up. So anyway, let's jump into the show. So we've got a bunch of stories. The first one is talking about chief hybrid officer and the concept of a will the decentralized team need a chief hybrid officer. And I saw this posted on LinkedIn uh, and then like retweeted or liked or whatever the uh, description that LinkedIn uses uh, from a number one of, of my friends. Um, and I sort of thought about it. And, you know, similar to the role the chief digital officer played five, seven years ago, uh, you know, there may be a need for a chief hybrid officer. But, you know, will that role be a long-term role? Um, probably not, in, in my opinion, just from thinking about it a, a bit more. Uh, more likely, this is not a single person, but rather a team of individuals that are likely going to come together to work through needs. You'll likely see like a chief human resources, resources officer, a COO, a CIO, and possibly even risk. And I say risk because as organizations, you know, require... Uh, folks or, or want folks to come back in, they may be uh, capturing data about proximity and, you know, um, getting sort of uh, personal information about your temperature and sort of health um, habits. Not to say that this is going to happen, just saying it could happen. And there's likely going to be some heightened sensitivity around that data and, and securing it. So that's why I call out the, the risk person. 
But, um, you know, this model is obviously going to continue to evolve. I don't think anyone's got it right or figured it out, certainly since we've been in, in COVID. Um, I also don't think uh, every organization is going to be alike. I think you're going to have uh, different uh, models based on, you know, your needs and the, you know, diversity of your talent pool and geolocations and industry and, uh, you know, size of the organization. But uh, interesting point of view here. Uh, I'd love to hear what other people think about, you know, kind of my thinking on this topic. Hit me up in the uh, show notes on Twitter or dailyblend.com. All right, let's talk about another story which uh, hit the news from Wall Street Journal about uh, CIOs or CEOs, rather, um, talking about getting back into the office and summoning workers back. Now, this article was published right before the CDC uh, issued sort of a changing of the mask policy this week. Um, But what's interesting is that you've got some CEOs who are saying, you know, I want my staff back in the office. And, you know, I've heard differing, um, you know, comments about this from friends, um, colleagues who work with other organizations that, you know, some organizations are saying, you know, come in part-time, come in a couple days a week, or if you're in, you're in. And, you know, the more I think about it, and and I'm probably a little jaded or have a different opinion, jaded is probably not the right word, and just a different opinion is I've always been a consultant. So the idea of going into an office five days a week, 52 weeks a year or 50, I guess, with vacation, never really was a thing for me. And I don't know if like, especially now with all the technology we have, does it really make sense? You know, I'm I've said this on this show before, I am a firm believer that people should come together within reason. I think, you know, when you're trying to go do something, um, you need to sort of have a planning and execution and a recap. And I sort of make the comparison to a sports analogy. You know, before you go play a game, you sort of have you know, practice as a team, video sessions, prep sessions, you go have, you play your game and, you know, whether or not you win or lose, you still do some recap about what you did right, what you did wrong, what you could do different. And I think business is really similar. I don't need to have practice with everyone around me at all times. And I'll compare this to a business sense. I don't need to be in an office where I'm trying to do critical thinking and be, you know, side to side with someone in a desk next to me breathing down my neck. That just, that doesn't work for me. And I don't think it works for a lot of folks, but I do think it's really great to come together when you're doing like the beginning of something or kind of random checkpoints uh, throughout to like bring people back together and talk about things and ideate in, in a very collaborative sense. Can you do this remotely? Absolutely. We've proven that over the last year. It just makes it easier Um, and things just move faster when you're trying to do something very specific. So I think, you know, it will be interesting to see how various CEOs, um, based on either the industry or the size of the organization, you know, continue to um, look for employees to come to the office or say, stay fully home or let's do the remote thing or, or hybrid thing. And, um, you know, I'm always interested in learning what's working for different organizations. The next thing is talking about YouTube. And, you know, one of the things we talked about on the show is how more and more social media platforms are finding ways for the content creator to get paid 
uh, beyond just the ad revenues that you'd get uh, from like things like YouTube. And uh, YouTube is l allowing individuals to get or receive tips uh, from you know, viewers. And, you know, as someone who watches a ton of YouTube, and I very much like YouTubers and creatives, I don't really find that I would be reaching to give, you know, a YouTuber uh, a bunch of money for tips. Now, if I did like a paywall and a subscription where I had to pay them a dollar or two more and I get exclusive content, I feel like I'd be more interested in this. I realize I'm still giving someone money. For some reason, there's like a mental thing of just like me tipping you versus paying for something exclusive. And it's just like the mentality of it, I think, more than anything. But hey, look, I, I think YouTube and all these other social media platforms should give content creators as many ways to monetize their content. I think it takes a lot of energy, time, thinking, planning, et cetera, to build content. And the fact that there will be more ways for you know these creators to get paid is only a positive thing. Um, you've obviously seen this with Spotify and Apple finding ways to allow content creators to monetize their podcasts. You've seen Twitch doing this for a long time. So um, it's cool to see you know YouTube finding yet another way uh, to allow their content creators to uh, receive you know, benefits from the content they're making. Next up, we've got um, three stories about uh, big tech companies beating earnings. The first one is talking about Spotify and how the podcast revenue jumped through the roof. Um, among Spotify users who already listen to podcasts, podcast listening increased 30% year over year with a total hours consumed up 95%. Meanwhile, podcast ad revenue increased by 627%, which outperformed expectations. So this matters for a whole host of reasons. First, podcasts are the new radio, and radio is, I guess, dead. And Spotify appears to be thinking about podcasts as both a new channel to attract listeners to their service, they also appear to be using it to beta test uh, live audio and spoken words um, to enhance musical acts um, with live concerts and other exclusive events. Um, one of the quotes that came out during their uh, quarterly earnings was, live, meaning like live audio, is a meaningful thing for many of our content creators and is something that we're excited about. If you think about sort of live events, there's a, an artist performs and then they could have some sort of exclusive Q&A after the show. It's essentially the model that sports teams have been running uh, with for years. You know, I do my, uh, I compete and then afterwards I have a press conference. And it'd actually be pretty cool. You know, you go watch a, uh, a live audio uh, stream of a concert and then you can pay for some exclusive content to either listen or participate in a Q&A. I also think what's even more interesting about specifically Spotify on the podcast stuff is, you know, when we jumped into COVID, there was an uptick in the number of podcast shows, but the uh, duration in which the show lasts, so going from like an hour because of commutes down to like 15 or 20 or 30 minutes, seems to be the trend. I haven't looked at this lately about like what's, you know, working better on the different p platforms in times of duration. Uh, it would be interesting to see that. I also think you, you see podcast as sort of like 
a channel, but also as a description. So you do have, you know, shows like this that are roughly 15 minutes. Then you've got shows that are like an hour, two hours. And then you have shows that are more like, you know, a bunch of series where they've got a captive audience with like chapters, almost like a book. So look, as someone who podcasts pretty regularly, I'm pretty fired up by this news. Um, I do not look to monetize my podcast today, but down the road, hopefully will. Uh, and it's great to once again see content creators getting paid. Obviously, it's great for the team at Spotify in terms of their earnings. So uh, kudos to the Spotify team for you know all the work they did to go out and uh, you know acquire the Joe Rogan show and call her daddy. And I think what is it, Armchair Experts, um, the Dax. Uh, podcast. I think they went out and got that one too, uh, and, and a whole host of other ones. So I kind of talked about, we got a couple stories about beating, beating earnings. This is uh, Shopify also beating earnings. And I think this one of all the stories we talk about probably comes at the uh, least of, of a surprise to, to any. Um, you know, they generated revenues around uh, $1.1 billion, So that's up 57%. Um, and obviously it's, it's driven because of COVID and folks not going to stores and still wanting to get products. Now, what I thought was interesting was the fact that, you know, Shopify is doing so well, but I'm more interested in the app or app ecosystem. You know, Shopify is like kind of the platform and there's gotta be, you know, a host of apps that are also just, you know, making a, a ton of money as a result of the success of Shopify. And it will be interesting to see how like the app ecosystem continues to grow. And if they can, you know, start to see these sort of little smaller companies even go public and, and start to be just not as successful, but continue to be successful as a result of uh, Shopify, you know, growing and, and being successful. So um, kind of curious there. Uh, if, if we start to see other companies sort of hit that, um, you know, billion dollar range that are in the, uh, the Shopify ecosystem. Um, next uh, is talking about Google uh, breaking the 60 billion in revenue and they're pledging to focus on Shopify. You, you see how we did that? We talked about Shopify and then we jumped into Google talking about shopping. Yeah. Um, you know, the CEO came out and said, you know, we've done a great job, but we want to do more around shopping. And what's interesting is they didn't highlight that they were going to be driving necessarily the, the, the commerce, but that they were removing integration barriers with Shopify, WooCommerce, GoDaddy, and Square. And merchants can now onboard and show their products across Google for free. And our shopping uh, graph is using AI to connect these products to people who want them. So Google never does anything just to be nice, right? They're always doing something to benefit themselves. Obviously, they want to understand more of the customer journey around the process or a kind of value chain. Um, I think what will be most interesting is how Google leverages YouTube and how they push content uh, to folks either through like, in video clicking where you would see like a bag or a shoes and you could literally click the link or a link would display down below how they could serve you up ads later from what you watched in videos or content uh, beyond just banner ads. I mean, they've got a massive amount of AI and insights on you across all the different products and services you use. So, you know, it's 
going to be no surprise that they continue to try to jump into shopping and generate more revenue. All right, continuing the theme of shopping. So Twitter makes buying stuff even easier thanks to the shop module. So if you're in Twitter or you're a big Twitter user, you realize you can buy things today, but it's not as seamless as, let's say, Instagram. And so what they're trying to do with this um, U.S. test uh, is to see if they can put like a module, kind of like a little slider, uh, to allow you to do more native buying, kind of similar to the Instagram experience. And what I think is kind of cool for Twitter is, you know, Twitter is more of the, um, you know, platform you announce things on. So I wonder if brands will start to sort of announce things and then have like a link or just a native ad to go buy those things. And obviously I'm talking about limited sneakers and gear and watches and things that I'm interested in, but I'm sure you could do it for other things. And uh, it will be interesting to see how like a Shopify kind of responds to this and if they look to be like, you know, a competitor in this sort of arena or look for like a complimentary service. But, you know, I am continuing to see Twitter uh, not just grow in terms of number of users, but adding more capabilities than I feel like they ever have ha added over the last, you know, six to eight months. And it's pretty cool to see that happening when you have the CEO focusing you know, on Square and sort of the Bitcoin thing uh, that he's got such a good leadership team in place that they can, um, you know, continue to, to build on this platform. All right. So the last story of the day is around my favorite, uh, you know, digital content company, Barstool Sports. Talk about them a lot on this show. I am fired up about the fact that Barstool Sports is moving into college football and has their own bowl game in Arizona. And like what a perfect place for a brand like Barstool. Arizona, you know, if you've ever been there, is it just feels like if you want to party in college, go to Arizona. Um, and, you know, they're going to stream the uh, game on their.com. They're also going to have it on various social channels. You know, I would be super excited about this if I was Barstool. Also freaking out about like, can our CMS, that's content management system, handle this? Uh, it's going to be a lot of stress on their servers, but uh, that's a very technical thing. I'm also really like excited because Barstool is one of the best at like putting out merch and social and press and wrapping it all together. So, you know, come kind of December, Christmas time, you are going to see the marketing of all marketing campaigns coming from Barstool across all their different, you know, platforms and channels and personalities. It's going to be fantastic. So hats off to Dave and Erica. I say their first names like I'm friends with them. Um, but, you know, kudos to their team and uh, can't wait to see what they do. All right, that wraps it up for this episode of the show. Uh, as always, you can get this episode and all other previous episodes on such great platforms as Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can like, follow, subscribe to Daily Blend. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reed Daily. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll talk very soon on the Friday Top 5. Ha <laughs> ha.